You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you guys have had a great week. I have been having a blast. Last night was so much fun. Another Vox and Hops Thirsty Thursday virtual hang. Massive shout out. Huge respect to my co-host, Vicky Sarakis, the vocalist of The Agonist. It is always a good time to hang out with Vicky. I was uh, super stoked that she agreed to be a part of Thirsty Thursday. So much fun, and she's just such a great goddamn vocalist. It's always fun to hang out with Vicky, and I always end up just picking her brain about her vocals, uh, so it's always a good time. Today's episode, I get to sit down with someone who I consider to be a rock star, a brewer. I've mentioned this a bunch of times on the podcast before. For me, hanging out with a brewer is like sitting down with a rock star. I'm always in awe because I love their brews so much. Today's episode is with Ben Griffiths, the head brewer of Nickelbrook Brewing Company out of Burlington, Ontario. Here it is. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 172. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Ben Griffiths, the head brewer of Nickelbrook Brewing Company. It is uh, super cool to talk to you. I have been a fan for quite some time. I uh, really enjoy the beer that you've been putting out. Uh, Let's start with a simple, easy question. Uh, How are you doing on this glorious Saturday, Ben? Uh, it is hot in Hamilton, I will not lie. I am quite sweaty, as the camera can probably see. But it's a long weekend, so beers are flowing, so it's a good day. That is true, that is true. In Ontario, it's always a long weekend this weekend, that's true. Here in Quebec, we don't get that day. <laughs> I, I, I always feel like it's a bit of a questionable one. Like I don't actually quite know what civic holiday is for, but I'm not going to complain about a long weekend in the middle of August. I, I honestly think that there should be one per month just just to give us a, a rest oh without a doubt the dream would be four 10-hour days and then a three-day weekend like, that would be my perfect life which uh, i know brewers put in the time it takes time when you're a brewer and you must be used to sweating it out there oh it's, it's yeah definitely not <laughs> there's no ac in the brewery that's for sure oh shit yeah <laughs> so so take me to uh how you guys coped with covid i see that you guys are still making decisions when it comes to how to reopen and how to uh, allow people back into the brewery you guys decided to just keep it on the patio so take me back to when covid hit Uh, how did you and the brewery react and how did you proceed so it was what middle of march wasn't it um it was i can remember the it was the weekend that everything shut down uh, I had actually just bon- bought, gone and bought a new pair of skis and new ski boots with the goal of going skiing on the Sunday. And that was the day <laughs> lockdown started. So I remember that day pretty well. And on the Monday, we kind of like, we all came in and had like a, like what's going on meeting. And we were just like, we're going to ride it out and see what happens. And then as start- things started to shut down more and more and, you know, people had nothing to do alcohol sales just went through the roof uh it was like it was a crazy march at the end of the last two weeks of march were the busiest two weeks of the year so like of that so far then and then april was the busiest april on record for us and then may was the busiest may on record for us and then june was busiest of ever and july has been like july was phenomenal as well which 
you know, it's great. It's been really good for business. Uh, shame I'm not the owner. <laughs> <laughs> but the but it was so much like March was as busy. Oh, sorry, uh, not April was as busy as a normal summer month was. Like sales have been up about twenty five percent across the board. Wow. Uh, and you would have thought pubs have been shut, bars have been shut. Like surely sales would be down. But people are just taking the alcohol home with them. So. Yeah, thank you very much, everyone. You're keeping me employed, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean you have to work more to keep up with the, the demand? Yeah, like we, me and my uh, colleague Joe have had to be working uh, longer shifts, which, you know, it's fine. It just means you know, a bit more money for us. But it's definitely been, you know, crazy volumes and crazy, like, at, like every month has been, like, the most packaged we've done ever. So it's it's been, you know, thank you, everyone, for their help, you know, and supporting local because uh, you would have thought in times like this with you know people losing their jobs they'd go to the cheaper uh, cheaper options so the fact that they're supporting us is you know is mind-blowing but you guys make good beers which brings us <laughs> right to this Vox and Hops is all about hanging out uh, with my metal friends talking about life metal and craft beer of course uh, so what is this so tell me about this this is a, an interesting brew alright so this one is a bit of a backstory to it uh, when I was back at home at university, uh, you know, drinking irresponsibly with my friends, uh, there was a great game. I'm sure you've heard of it, King's Cup. I have not. Well, hold on. Maybe maybe I've heard of it and just not called Ring it. Of, Ring of Fire is what we call it back home. King's Cup is what my Canadian friends call it. You put your cards around a glass in the middle, and if you pick up a king from, the per, uh, from whatever it is, you have to pour whatever you're drinking into the... Uh, into the cup in the middle and whoever picks the last king has to down the pint of grossness that's in the middle so this game evolved (laughs) a little bit with my friends because you know when you're cheap and you're 18 years old you'll drink whatever you can get so we would you know no one would care whatever the swill in the middle was so the joke was you know we'd add things to make it a bit grosser like orange juice and then if you add milk with orange juice it curdles and gets lumpy and it's disgusting and you're 19 and you're idiots so one person chugs it and everyone else throws up and yeah anyway so the joke became, uh, I can brew a beer with orange and lactose, which is obviously milk sugar. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to take the piss a little bit and I'm allowed to swear, right? Sorry if I said you can say, you, okay. know, you can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I should realize that metal people aren't, you know, the, you know, too PC anyway. But uh, yeah, so the joke was I'm going to make a beer with milk and orange juice and I'm going to make it fucking amazing. Of which I kind of went overboard and I used blood orange uh, Valencia orange, tangerine, clementine, navel oranges, uh, a whole drum of tangerine puree. And yeah, I I kind of went a bit over the top and it's I'm very proud of it. So yeah, it's fucking tasty. <laughs> and this is Juicy Scoops number two. Yes. So there was a number one version. So number one was a uh, just a lactose pale ale with a wild yeast called Sactois, which not going to go into too nerdy uh, and too much beer talk. It was it's a wild yeast which everyone thought was another yeast called Pretanomyces, which is what people love to put in their like barrels and fruit beers. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I had never used it, and I never made a lactose pale ale, so I thought two birds one stone, and that was Juicy Scoops one. Cool. So this clocks in at five point five percent ABV. Uh, it's got a twenty nine IBU. Uh, let's crack these open. Let's pour them out, and we'll enjoy it together. Pours out nice and hazy. You can smell the orange right on the nose. It's really cool. There's enough of it. It should be up to <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, man. Cheers, man. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
got the is a slightly astringent. Definitely go through the oranges and everything, and all the massive amounts of oranges. It's creamy. It's got that pithiness as well. I like as well. Yes, yes, absolutely delicious. Very, very cool. Uh, let's go back in time. Take me to your brewer story. How did you end up brewing crazy beers such as this one? <laughs> uh, so um, my dad used to homebrew. So when I was growing up, I used to help him out. Uh, I'm sure I was just the irritating you know, teenager next to him, bothering him. Uh, and then I used to nab some of those beers when I would go to house parties. Uh, sorry, Dad, not that you'll probably listen. Uh, and then I went to university back home in England uh, and studied history, uh, which was a mild waste of time, to be honest. Uh, never used that degree <laughs> at all. Uh, I then started working in bars, like every university failure does. Uh, became bar manager. Started working in a craft bar uh, in Oxford. Uh, really loved beer, really loved you know, trying new beers, bringing in, you know, massive European beers, like, you know, your Belgian Abbey beers and things like that. And then went into, uh, you know, you know, your American IPAs were coming out then at that point and like getting into England, you know, and everyone's used to your boring English craft ales. So having these hugely hoppy beers were quite, you know, it was a new, new thing for me. Um, and at that point I was dating a Canadian girl and, her visa was running out and I was just managing a bar so I was bored as hell so I was like oh I'm going to go back to school and of all people it was actually my girlfriend's mother who found the course at Niagara College where they do the brewmaster thing and the only home brewing I ever did was you know with my dad and I made some crappy ciders at university with friends which turned out to be like 11% rocket fuel which is to be fair a couple of those before you go to a club and you're already fucking you know you're already saved all the money you would have spent on alcohol so uh you know i was a bit i don't know uh it sounded too good to be true you know they were they were posting a hundred percent employment rating you know they were they said that if you take this course you'll have a job straight away and so i was skeptical and i came out for a christmas with my girlfriend tay and yeah i met them and you know it's a full brewery with a bunch of little pilot brewery homebrew systems and they're like, yeah, we're going to teach you everything from business to advertising to marketing, uh, obviously brewing and brewing sciences. And I was like, holy shit, this is actually legit. And so that was about five years ago. I moved to Canada. And then while at school, I started working for Nickelbrook. Um, and then as people above me left, I just moved up and then became head brewer two years ago. Wow. It's, uh, you know, but you had to go and do that history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you said it didn't serve anything, but it absolutely did because you wouldn't be here no, no. if it wasn't for that, you know, because you, you wouldn't have gone and worked in a bar and discovered this whole path. So it's very, very interesting. And, and you know, putting the work in and, you, you know, just working for Nickelbrook as a student is a hats off to you there because a lot of people that are students can't work. And, oh, and it, <laughs> it, it kind of helped that it was a 45 minute drive to Niagara College and it was a 15 minute drive from uh, my in-law's house where I was staying at the time to work so when they would offer me a shift it would be like all right cool i can use the excuse i'm working in the industry my teachers can't get mad at me so yeah it was it was a great job to have and the the guys who hired me and took that chance on me i hope i've repaid it you know but now becoming head brewer yeah and nickelbrook is huge it's uh, you guys are probably one of uh, ontario's top premier craft beer breweries so so good for you uh, getting it right away <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah luck of the draw sometimes i think <laughs> uh, what excites you about brewing still do you still love it oh yeah fuck yeah yeah i i 
it sounds terrible to say I don't think I ever had a job I enjoyed before brewing like and I think a lot of you know university students like 19 to 22 year olds you know and all the way from like 15 year olds are pushed to go to university and sometimes you know trade school is the way to go and you know getting your hands dirty you know brewing something that I want to drink uh, which is generally I think my motto when it comes to the beer I make uh, like it makes me happy finishing a day and even though it's a shit day at least I can go home and I've got a beer I've made in the fridge that I know is good like like I'm sure I've made crap beers and sure we've had to put beers down the drain like everyone's done it but when it comes to packaging something I want to be happy with it and if I'm not then I you know whine a little bit but ownership thankfully listens to me so yeah like it helps it helps me you know free alcohol it comes with the job <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. everything has its perks yes exactly <laughs> Spe- speaking of alcohol take take me to the the culture is very different being from canada versus the uk mm. uh when do you remember your first beer i know that in the uk it's a different type of culture where you grow up in the pubs so so do you remember your first time i'm i'm pretty sure the first beer i tried was one of my dad's homebrews uh and I hated it. It was not like like. Thank God he's not listening. But he like he still doesn't listen to me when it comes to homebrewing. And like, you pay for me to go to school for this, Dad. Like, surely you'd fucking listen. Uh, like the what, first... what, what does he brew? What does he brew? Oh What's man, his, they, his they are they are, they are golden ales, which he somehow burns them in the kettle, and they become like borderline brown ales. Uh, it's always from one of those syrup jars, like you yes. extract homebrewing jars, and yeah, doesn't ever want to dry up. Doesn't like any of my any real beer I've probably made since I came to Canada. Uh, so yeah, like it, that that was my first experience with beer. But then growing up, like most cheap teenagers, macro lagers all the way, and then it wasn't until I was probably working post university in. Like, I started bartending in, like, a fancy hotel. And, of course, fancy hotels have a different fridge selection than, say, like, you guys don't have Weatherspoons here? Which, Weatherspoons is a massive chain pub in the UK, which is dirt cheap. So you used to be able to get a pint of, like, English ale for, like, one quid. So, like, a dollar fifty. And when I would get the bus to school or the bus anywhere, there would be the old men who would be sitting outside the Weatherspoons from when I would go to school. And I'd be back, you know, six hours later. They're just there and the ashtray is full so Weatherspoons you know <laughs> cheap as shit when they started bringing in American IPAs and uh, it was it was Rogue's uh, Rogue's IPA from yes of course California yes. which you know huge massive like you know macro bin bought out now but back then you know they were these hip craft brewery that you know were at this cheap pub where you would be getting you know a 6% IPA for £2.50 rather than buying if you went to like a bottle shop, you'd be buying you know some Belgian beer for five dollars or five pounds, sorry, for a small three fifty mil thing. So weirdly enough, a macro chain pub became like where I would try more craft beer. Hmm, very interesting. And have you brought any of this uh, UK style classic brewing into Nickelbrook? Is that something that is int- interests you at all? No, I am. I am a full blown American IPA, North in- North New England IPA, juicy boy. Uh, I'm all about that haze. Uh, I made my la- first lager only about, I would say, six months ago, as a, as a request from the taproom manager because the second most question was. 
what tastes most like a lager? So we made one as a joke. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like, I think I probably now only have one, like, have you had a cast base in, in Toronto, the beer festival, where everything is, like, old school cast yes, ale, exactly. but then yes. everyone, like, kind of pimps it out and makes it fancy. But that was the last time I think I had, like, a good old-fashioned English ale. Like, I'm, in my opinion, they're boring. Uh, they're not for me. I like hops. I don't care for malt in the scientist. Loggers are on their way back, though. That's, oh. that's, that's, why, that's why people want them. Pilsners and loggers are making a comeback. A good crispy boy is... Yeah, I understand, but not for me. For me, it's all about juice. I want, I want <laughs> fruit flavors. You know, I want to think it's giving me vitamin C. <laughs> well, that, that's where you go and do the smoothie bars. <laughs> And then oh. you will actually get that vitamin C. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big controversy going on in the craft beer world if it's, you know, if it's beer. It doesn't matter if it's beer, if we like it or not. It's the same thing. It, it correlates to music exactly. It's like, do you oh, like yeah. this band or do you not like this band? Or do you like this song even? You know, so if you like a smoothie beer, if you like a pastry stout, just enjoy it. It doesn't matter if uh, the elitists oh, don't yeah. think it's pure. <laughs> I, I, the one of my highlights of my uh, being in charge since uh, well, it's been two years now was getting an email complaint from some twenty-two-year-old student from Peterborough who was disgusted to hear that we don't use the German Purity Act when it comes to our beers because I'm too busy adding, you know, demerara sugar to a stout or strawberries or you know random ass ingredients. But I, why not add them? Like <laughs> they're here to be used. <laughs> Beer should be fun, not some, like, rule kind of thing. And it's an art form. You're expressing yourself. Yeah. Like, it's like music. I'm sure you've had the same, like, obviously metal is an extreme edge of the music spectrum. But if, like, you brought in a flute or a recorder, like, if you're like, fuck it, we're experimenting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we can do whatever we want. It's, it's, it's a freedom. And, and I, even in Germany now, there's craft beer bars that are, are getting around the law of purity. Oh, yeah. There's a the great so um there's a great brewery it's on the edge of Belgium uh, the Belgian German border and they call themselves obviously a Belgian brewery so they can get away get around this rule but they sell ninety nine percent of their beer across the border in Germany. <laughs> what do you think is going to be the next craft beer style? Haze is not going anywhere. We we both know that. Uh, I feel like it would be um, it, like, like as you said, return to lagers. Like, now that breweries are able to... Although, like, established breweries can save the space for a lager tank, then that's obviously still going to be, like, a f something they want to do. And, like, I have, again, even though I said I only made my first lager six months ago, we're now on our, like, fifth batch of it. So mm -hmm. it's definitely popular. Uh, but then just the, con the movement away from bitterness, I think, is the key thing. People, you know, are no longer wanting that 100 IBU beer that, you know, is puckering up not for sourness because it's so bitter that it's just not you know it's just just not enjoyable uh and just like more sessionable beers i think is the way people are going and you know i'm not saying being an englishman i'm biased slightly and i prefer my you know three percent four percent beers as long as they're still tasty but people aren't going for that six seven percent beer because you know you have two of those and you, you know, you're almost over the limit. You can't drive anymore. While you can have three beers at three percent and feel comfortable and still feel sober. So that's what my view is. I think it's going to be towards sessionable uh, and more, yeah, flavor, flavorful, sessionable beers. I completely agree with that. Yeah, 
100% because to have a sessionable beer that actually feels like a full-bodied beer is uh, something that's very challenging for brewers, I feel, because a lot of them that I've had uh, don't hit the mark. There's, there's always missing the alcohol. So that's like a challenge for you guys, something you guys have to wrap your heads around. Especially like if they're too low, they can always be quite thin. And no one's exactly. like, it's like you don't, you don't drink beer for it to be watery, like, or no. craft beer at least. And especially if you're, you know, I feel cheeky charging three fifty four dollars a can for a three percent beer that then just tastes like you're drinking slightly hopped water you want to be drinking a beer so yeah it's the challenge is there to do it and a lot of breweries are starting to do them well it's just everyone's experimenting at the same time to try and get it to that point yeah you guys gotta all learn together it's like uh, when, when extreme metal bands started going faster and faster and more extreme, everyone gets inspired by, by everyone else. Uh, something that I do love in the, in the brewing industry is that there's a healthy sense of competition, as in the metal world. It's not something that's so cutthroat. It's everyone's working together, the collaborations that happen, the, the trading of knowledge that happens is much mm. more open and not hidden. We're trying to keep our secret recipe. I, I think that's very, very cool. I just like... For me, and for the bosses who I grew up having like in the last five years, the challenge is there being like, I'll give you the ingredients, try and make it better than me, kind of thing. And then you can see from that, and definitely you see people you know, taking the same hop combinations and the same uh, you know, malt or yeast uh, like additions, but then everyone doesn't quite know the ratios everyone's using, so everyone's like, they're like enjoying that experiment and trying to see ah, I see what you did but fuck you I can do you better like I'm gonna do it <laughs> and like I think that's the challenge in the same way like because obviously I listened to metal music when I was younger like a guitar solo is made to be beaten like it's you know and if someone's gone you know on a drum solo you know it's two minutes of epicness you, you know you're gonna hear a better one a month later because someone's like fuck you I can beat you at that it's the inspiration train I love it uh, let's dabble into metal. We have to. It's Vox and Hops. And uh, perf, perf, perfect transition is your double IPA metalhead. Tell me about that. H- how did that come about? I want to hear this whole story about metalhead. All right. So we our flagship IPA is called Headstock. Uh, the logo is uh, obviously the head, uh, head of a guitar. Um, and we just people have been always been asking, like, oh, 7% is cool. Why not more? kind of thing and <laughs> although we've just talked about how I love session beers obviously the challenge is there to be the best double IPA in the country not alone you know let alone North America and people have always it's always one of the more strived for titles when it comes to beer awards kind of thing and so this was my first uh, attempt at it I can say management obviously pushed me to do it against my will occasionally but I was like fuck it I can do it and so we took the base malt bill for headstock, we increased it by 25% to make it from 7% to 9% and kind of just said, fuck it, let's hop the shit out of it. Uh, kept it around the same IBUs, around 85 to 90 and just got, yeah, just I we double dry hopped it, added some Equinot, which is one of my favorite hops and it's it's I think it's great. It's smooth for 9%, which is what is key. You don't want a boozy beer, like you don't want to be taken aback by it. It goes down like a 5% beer should. 
and yeah really proud of it hoping for good things in the beer awards in september awesome it, it is a an extremely drinkable nine percent beer. It is <laughs> it's dangerous unbelievably dangerous yes and especially for metalheads if you're if you're branding to metalheads and they go there and they pick it up because they're proud to have a beer that represents their identity and yeah. they pick up a four pack and they drink all four of them it's going to be a wild night and a horrible next morning. <laughs> <laughs> but very dangerous. But uh, a very, very enjoyable brew and, and surprisingly smooth for 9%. <laughs> Thank you. Very cool. And uh, yes, of course, uh, hopefully uh, the, the brew awards reward you and you guys can get uh, that little emblem on it. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. <laughs> Uh, tell me about metal you you've mentioned to me as we communicated heading up towards this interview that you used to listen to metal in your youth uh, so what what bands did you used to like and enjoy oh so uh the first ever gig i went to at the age of 16 uh was in flames in portsmouth uk uh they were they were supported by sepultura which also very cool uh which was pretty insane it wasn't the other way around uh at that point it was the time, the era, that's why. Yeah. Uh, and it was just after Inflames' went a bit more melodic and more... Come, come Clarity would be... Yes, the thank idea. you, yeah. with My Sweet Shadow on, which is... Oh, they... no, no, the one no. before, Soundtrack to Your Escape or something. Yes. Soundtrack to yeah. My Escape, something like that. Yeah, which, again, depending on Inflames' fans from past to around then, because we're talking 13-ish years ago... Yeah, I was 16, yeah, around then. Um, a lot, you know, it was a lot less heavy than their original stuff, and then a lot more melodic, which is what the stuff I liked. And then it was, again, being 16 and underage, uh, snuck in uh, a fake ID for my brother, and can remember being very merry on the train home uh, after a few <laughs> pints. Um, went, uh, got crowd surfing for the first time, which was great, and... Uh, got there was a um, uh, there was a very drunk uh, I don't know the correct term I want to call him a midget but I know you're not supposed to be more vertically challenged human who uh, I think they like I think I think they enjoy little person little person uh, and after getting a drunken hug from him he proceeded to throw up on the guy next to me so <laughs> those things stick with you for a long time uh, and then that's after- what, that's every every metal show that's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was, it was fucking great. And, you know, I had hair down to here. It was dyed black. Uh, after, you know, getting into things like In Flames, Arch Enemy was a big favorite. Um, Opeth still, I still listen to Blackwater Park every day. It's a like, perfect, it's, perfect album. Even though like, you don't like metal, just listen to the guitar solos and just the, how it warms up and nice and slow. And then just like the crescendo is epic. It's just such a good album. Um, and yeah, a lot of opus I listen to just because you know it's it's metal, but it's almost classical music at the same time, which mm-hmm. was I loved. And then I love Behemoth as well. Uh, I saw Behemoth in Portsmouth as well. Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, and that was right after they had right just released. Um, it would have been two thousand and seven. Demigod. I want to say it was the Demigod tour. Um, and then I it was after and then I went yeah then I went to university and I kind of I kind of just got lazy with music it was my own fault I'm as bad as it, uh, as I was then but with just different genres now but it would always be I had my like classic metal playlist and bands 
of things like In Flames, Arch Enemy, Opeth, Behemoth, bit of Nile in there as well. Um, and I, as I like not drifted away, I would just you know same listen to those albums. But my brother also still loved metal, and you know in the UK bands like Anlathrac were still huge. Yeah. And my brother went to like has the one of the original T-shirts they ever made, like one of like 150 or something. So I probably my brother got me into it, I have to say. Uh, but then I always I was always very entry level. I would admit that. So like Killswitch Engage, still quite love. Um, and you know you can always are they metal? Are they just heavy rock kind of thing? No, they're definitely metal. They're they're definitely they got that many many elements of metal. But metal is such a a, a huge umbrella that mm. covers so many aspects and genres. Then there's no shame in anything. It's like a beer. If you like a beer, you like a beer. Yeah. If you like a band, you like a band. It's okay. So yeah. So like oh. It's, it, I, I, you know, I've still got a few of the t-shirts, and they are still great. And one of my colleagues, Rob, he, uh, he was in a, a very heavy punk band, and it was just, oh, it brings you back. Just, I miss going into a, you know, dingy, very dingy club with, you know, a bit of sawdust on the floor, you know, very cheap beer. Always, you know, nothing. Nowadays, obviously, there wouldn't have been craft beer in those bars I went to then. Uh, with a, obviously with a fake ID and just trying to get the cheapest you know what would it have been it would have been something like a Carlsberg uh, lager it's probably the best lager in the world <laughs> that motto oh. that motto always made me laugh oh. oh yeah it was a good time it was a good like four years of just getting royally drunk at these insane shows uh, where I would drag friends to them and you know these are friends who are like Oasis and Blur, and I yes. <laughs> literally you know a mosh pit where you know someone's coming out with a cut above the eye, and they're like, "What the yeah. fuck are we doing?" <laughs> uh, do you have a brewer's playlist? What do you listen to when you brew, or is it just too loud? Oh, okay. So one, you're gonna mock me because I've, again, like I said, I've moved away from metal, and now I'm all over the place. Uh, but I always keep my headphones in. Uh, so I'm always uh, I don't share my music with people because it's all again all over the place so after progressing from metal I went into drum and bass which I'm sure people yeah, are going to cool. people are going to mock me for it um, and then from drum and bass uh, it went back to like more indie music uh, of which while then I mocked Blur and Oasis two minutes ago still love them um, <laughs> but yeah um, like I said Blackwater Park uh, still like but I love that record yeah Oh shit! What's the Kill Switch Engage cover? Um, Holy Diver. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, that is just one of the best covers of all time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I still sing it around, like randomly at work, and I get yelled at for it, even though I'm in charge, which feels like I should be allowed to. Uh, you should be. Um, explosions. Let him belt. <laughs> yeah, explosions in the skies. Uh, I love. I'm a huge post rock fan. Good, good. Huge, I love huge, that. Huge. And just again, like I was saying about Opeth, with like you know the ramp up and a big crescendo, things like that with some EDM and like dubstep and drum and bass. When it starts slow with just a good beat and then finally hits that like crescendo, fucking love it. So and then, you know something that gets me worked up and wants to stay working. I always quite like. Awesome. How about a collaboration with a band? Has Nickelbrook ever done that? Uh, we have not, no. If you could, who would you do it with? What would the beer be? And what would it be called? 
Oh, that's a lot of questions. A lot of pressure on, on, on the spot. Um, this is the one question I should send people in advance. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, slight backstory. At the so the Canadian uh, not Canadian the uh, craft beer conference was in Denver last year, and the keynote speaker was the lead singer of Iron Maiden, whose name I Holy forget. Holy shit, Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, Bruce Dickinson. Because and of the the Iron Maiden beer. Thank you. And um, have you tried it? I have had a few of them. I think that it is a branding ploy. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. And, and, it was, and it, the beer sucks. Yes, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'm so, sorry, I remember whoever's <laughs> brewing this, but I, I just... That's shy, shit brewery in uh, North, uh, North England, don't worry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I... Uh, I don't want... Like, it sounds cringeworthy, but like I, that would be my worst nightmare. Uh, of, like, I get really hyped up, I do something with someone I really want to do it with, and their idea is something completely garbage. Uh, so if it had to be like a name brand I would love to do something with some big hip hop uh, or rap icon which would be great like it would be such a good laugh to meet one of these people and see what they're like obviously with Kanye West in the news at the moment it would be kind of funny to see what he likes to drink but yes realistically the, the canadian boy drake oh, oh I've, I've seen him i've seen him at raptors games and i'm okay uh <laughs> but uh the, you know have have someone who's a bit of a character and hope that they have as interesting ideas kind of thing would be my dream uh but then if we have to keep it to you know say a more metal band um i want to call it was it um arch enemy's old lead singer was an angelina right Angela. Angela. She, I can remember reading interviews with her from uh, British magazines, and she seemed like a character. And seemed, you know, she was always out there and quite funny and just, you know, great voice and was just, you know, shredding up like just amazing lyrics. So I'd love to do something with her. And I have to admit, she was probably a crush at the time. Uh, so that <laughs> had a little bit to play with it. But then if we're going back to my like, you know, seventeen-year-old me, metalhead. Uh, then I know I've said them a few times. It would have to be in flames. Like they were the first like band that I was obsessed with. You know, saw them multiple times whenever they came to the UK. So, yeah, definitely them. Now, beer style-wise, like I've said, I'm a juicy boy, so it'd have to be a hazy IPA. Huge hopping rate, very low bitterness. Uh, you know, opaque as hell. Uh, but yeah, that, I think that would be it. You know. But then whether or not that's their thing and they would want some sort of, you know, imperial stout seeing as they're from Scandinavia and some dark beer, you know. If, if you can make the connection, I would be very happy with it. That would be really cool. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. <laughs> well, one last question for you, Ben. Um, you seem to be a very controlled person, so I doubt this happens. But uh, when you are hungover, what is your hangover cure? Uh, is it 11 o'clock yet? <laughs> then I have crack another beer. <laughs> Eleven o'clock is is, is your rule. <laughs> yeah, more or less. <laughs> Go to the store, do all my shopping before I need to do anything. Eleven o'clock comes around, boom, hangover's gone. Awesome, good, good, good. Uh, ben, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to sit down with me, drinking at your juicy scoops. Cheers. Lactose Pale Ale. It, uh, everyone, please go check out and support Nickelbrook Brewing Company out of Burlington in Ontario. They make great stuff, and I am a fan, and I will support you guys forever.
Thank you very much, man. It was great, great to do this. And uh, if you're ever, you know, post-COVID in Burlington, love to grab a pint. Uh, 100%. Yes, thank you. Cheers. Awesome. Cheers, man. Stay well. You too. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Such a great time hanging out with Ben. Uh, one of those people immediately I know that we would get along uh, I can't wait till I can make my way over to Burlington to start drinking some brews with you Ben there uh, so much fun huge fan of the brewery if you can get your hands on some Nickelbrook Brewing Company brews do it they are available all across Ontario at the LCBOs and you should absolutely indulge and uh, pick some up because you will not be disappointed. They make fantastic beers. Massive shout out to Ben for sitting down with me and having a chat. And a huge thanks to Jen Mitchell for helping me set up this interview. I really, really appreciate it. I hope you guys have a great, great weekend. I am looking forward to relaxing. I got some cool stuff lined up. I'm actually quite busy this weekend doing a bunch of interviews. I can't wait to get them out to all of you. Next Tuesday, I have another Heavy Montreal Presents episode coming at you. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hopsheads. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Grey Street.